This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Craig Bowlerjack coming up here momentarily. Of course, uh, television voice of the Utah Jazz. Do we ask him about the issues they had last night with the uh, the audio? Oh, yeah. What was that? I don't know. I, I was, Did we, anybody get an explanation for that? I haven't I haven't heard a thing, but uh, that yeah, that was uh, that was bizarre. You know what was weird about that is I turned on the closed caption and the closed caption was was transmitting words. Oh yeah, I'm sure they were still still broadcasting, yeah. Just but uh, but what, why could that be transmitted but the sound couldn't be? I don't know. I'm not an engineer. Gordon. Yeah, me neither. I, I'm. I'm not sure. But the, that had to be frustrating. I'm sure for many. Well, I thought there was something wrong with my TV. I'm sitting there messing with the control, and I'm going in. And then I put it on another channel, and boom, it blasted. You know, and I said, okay. Well, yeah. I thought the same thing because I was watching it here, obviously yeah. in studio. And sometimes our television is not the most reliable thing mm-hmm. in the in the world. But uh, but that was bizarre. It can't be. Uh, can't be a whole lot of fun. Uh, actually, Bowler uh, played that off nicely. He said, we understand there have been some transmission problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there had been. Uh, so we'll talk to Bowler about how the Jazz are playing, 11 out of 12, uh, sweeping that road trip. You know, as the, the competition hasn't been uh, that uh, that great, but uh, the Jazz certainly taking steps in the right direction. I don't think anybody can really deny that. I th- I agree with you 100%. And Bowler, you know, obviously has a front row seat to all this stuff that's going on. And uh, he's seeing the same things we are. And that is that the Jazz are coming around, that they are honing their offense. There are times, like last night's game was a, was, was kind of a defensive mess. But the Jazz were able to uh, essentially outscore a team. All right, let's get out of the Sprint special guest line, lease any phone, and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He is the television voice of the Utah Jazz from AT&T Sportsnet. The great Craig Bowler. Jack, what's up, Bowler? What's happening? Hey, Jay Gordo. How are you? We're glad you didn't lose your voice. We thought you had laryngitis or something, but uh, not your (laughs) fault. Well, you know, I was just talking to Austin. I mean, as long as I've been behind the mic, uh, it happens. And, you know, apologies all the way around. I don't know all the technical, uh, you know, uh, jargon for it, but some sort of a a transmission issue with some some sort of an audio or video card uh, at one of the translation or transport stations that take the, you know, the optic line uh fiber optic line and you know send it to all the outlets it's you know what it's a crazy world i i think we i get so used we all get used to like turning on the water turning on the electricity turning on the television and just expect you know each and every night something pops up once in a while the glitch and again apologies i uh was upset because it was really a fun game and i'm glad you know fans got to see at least about three quarters of it last night all right, uh, just just a curiosity question for Bowler. Uh, when when Craig Bowler Jack has access to uh, New Orleans for an evening off, what uh, yeah. what do you find to do? Well, what I find to do is this particular time I had a college friend uh, who actually uh, I, I tell you what we were able to go and find tickets to go to the Saints game. Nice, nice. So that was I have not been a, uh, in the stadium uh, in the stands for a long time. 
uh, in in the football college or NFL atmosphere. So it was it was I'd rather been in the booth, but it was fun to be amongst uh, a really rabid fan base who left uh, the dome very disappointed. I didn't think Drew Brees played well. Taysom Hill, my, in my book, was the best athlete on the field. Um, you know that's he's he's multi talented. Uh, the guy's got an arm. Uh, he can run. He can play special teams. I thought he was just – he did a, a terrific job for the moments or the times and the plays that Peyton put him in there. But, yeah, Breeze looked a little bit um, – I don't know. They didn't look as engaged as I thought they would be and, and have the energy behind that crowd that, that was uh, at the Dome. So uh, that was one part of the day. The second half of the night, I had a chance to meet up with a college friend, college buddy, who had a post-game party, just moved to New Orleans uh, with his wife, and so I joined them and had terrific redfish and oysters. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I tell you, meals are bad meals are hard to come by uh, in New Orleans, that's for sure. And you could probably spend, seriously, a year, six months to a year, uh, trying different places in that city because they're everywhere. And, and the ones I've always made a stop at are very, very good. Yeah, I've had the best uh, seafood I ever had. Was it's amazing. The, yeah. the cuisine I mean, is amazing. Unbelievable. And you mentioned redfish. There's, Ooh, a yeah. lot, there's some good stuff down there. That is for sure. Bowler, what's going on with the Utah Jazz? They seem like they're finding ways to win. They've won 11 of 12 now. When they play well, uh, they win games. And when they don't necessarily play up to their potential, they win games. <laughs> good way to put it. That's the way it's kind of gone lately. Uh, I don't know if we go back – to the trade, uh, Jordan Clarkson, Dante to Cleveland, who, by the way, exploded for a terrific game with the Cavs uh, night last night or the night before. And, you know, I, it's been good for, I think, both players, uh, you know, new opportunity, new team. Uh, but I think Clarkson, I think the fact that George Niang is also I mean, given an opportunity to show what he can actually do, we, we just kind of knew him. Uh, as a guy that would pop on the floor on occasion and, you know, play some D, run the floor, hit a three, then sit down. But now there's more minutes. But it seems to me since this whole situation came about and the Jazz kind of really bottomed out a bit, especially the bench was, you know, minus nine uh, against opponents' benches. And, you know, you, you can't win a lot of games when the the, the five starters build a lead and then the, the guys, the second unit comes in and that lead just dissipates. Uh, within a few minutes. So uh, it seems to me that you've got more options, more energy. The pace is up just a little bit. The Jazz, the best shooting three-point team in the league uh, percentage-wise. And I think you put all those things together, and, you know, they'll always say this to you in the locker room, look, we were down, but we didn't break. And I think that's very important that this team with the high expectations, Gordo, that uh, they maybe took, you know, they took one on the chin. Let's be honest. It, it was, uh, uh, there were some worries, some worse, you know, some, you know, some, you know, concerns about the depth. And to the credit of the Jazz front office with uh, Justin and Dennis and David Morey, they, they go back out and kind of reset the reset button. And Jordan Clarkson has been an energizer. And I think the team has kind of really followed off of that. And maybe two kind of looked at within themselves. When you lose teammates, you kind of wonder and ponder a bit. And they've been a totally different team since. 
Craig Bowler, Jack, with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bowler, uh, Gordon and I had what uh, what I thought was uh, an interesting uh, conversation earlier today uh, talking about winning in the clutch. And maybe yeah. the Jazz haven't mopped the floor with some of these teams and one going away, but how much value is there in playing some close games? Not that you'd ever tell your team, hey, guys, go out and keep this one close. We need some clutch experience. But how valuable is you know these, these close games and getting that experience? Well, for my chair i tell you what it means to me is like in any business uh and if you guys look if you're on the radio and all of a sudden you get hit with a uh a breaking story how do you perform i mean that's the kind of the way i look at it too i mean in that in those minutes or seconds that you have to make a quick decision uh to perform and get the message across that's crunch time and teams face it all the time some crumble and I think the, the the fact that the Jazz lead the league and wins in that crunch time says a lot about the fact that there's veteran leadership with a very young team, by the way, led by Gobert, Joe, uh, and Donovan, and others, and the coach. Well, I mean, Quinn's at the top of the list when it comes to keeping his cool, even though he's an emotional guy. His mind and the way he draws plays and tries to continue to give the Jazz their best opportunity to win ball games. Look, for fans... I'm not sure if you – once in a while you think of a fun blowout game. Sometimes you like the excitement of a finish. Well, the Jazz are that team right now. And I don't think there's a sense of panic. I don't sense it. I don't know if you guys see it. I don't sense it at all. There's been nine and 11-point deficits. Uh, there's been five or six-point deficits at the half. And the Jazz just seem to make adjustments and then just find a way just to reset – and, and start knocking down threes, being more aggressive. Energy seems to be uh, reborn a bit. And then you got Donovan Mitchell, who just seems to thrive off of the challenge of beating teams and making the big shot or the big play late or directing that. And that's kind of where, what I see. It's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, and, again, somebody would say, well, look, it'll come back and bite you. And it, it may. and It probably will. You're going to lose a, a game or two. If you play with, you know, with fire, it's going to burn you on occasion. But I will say for the Jazz, uh, they, they do not panic, and they seem to be a very confident team, and they stay right to what they want to do, and they continue to run their plays and rotate the ball around until that open shot is available, and then hopefully they take advantage of it. But, you know, last night, controversial ending. Uh, look, it was a crazy, you know, end. Uh, you know, Alvin Gentry went crazy. Uh, the official store scorekeeper later gave did not give Gobert a block, and basically just said that Ingram missed the shot. And I think Gentry's anger and the way it spilled over onto the floor, you know, the officials themselves seem to be confused. But again, as we know, and we're all learning this, by the way, the replay system is difficult, and the coaches have had some, I think, some issues understanding it as well. But unless a foul was called, you can't have that's the trigger. You can't replay. And so that was finally, after the headset was put on, I think that was clarified again from the officials in Secaucus, and the Jazz had taken off to the locker room. And, you know, Joe was hanging around just to see what was going on, and we jumped on him for the postgame interview. But, um, yeah, it was crazy. And, you know, everyone has a different angle, a different view, and a different thought. And that's, again, kind of the beauty of sport. Everybody has a chance to argue about was it or wasn't it. And did the Jazz escape, or did they earn the win? Um, we'll see them again. We'll see them again, by the way, in about a week. So we'll uh, we'll play that one out one more time.
Well, there was a foul. I mean, I think most people can see that. Uh, there may have been an offensive foul as well. But like Jake said earlier in the show, man, this stuff goes on all the time, you know? Yeah, I mean, it does. It's just that when it's in the last seconds of a game, then it gets more attention. It does. If this was, uh, you know, middle of the third quarter, then, you know, this would just say, let's play on and it's going to, you know, things would settle down. But, yeah, when it's ever it's a game-ending play, of course, with a with a tie – potentially on the line and had they called the foul then it would have been reviewed and if if it would have been confirmed then of course the two free throws and we could have you know obviously looked at overtime if ingram would have made two but not the case and i think in the course of 82 if you play 16 nfl games you know whatever it may be in you know the major leagues and the hockey's and the college and NFL, you know all that it, they always say it, it evens out and i think the jazz will lose a game this year in in a probably in a pretty similar manner. Um, it just happens. It's it's what it is and how close this game is. It's a game of not inches, but like, you know, millimeters. I mean, did he or didn't he? And the human eye sometimes can't pick it up. Replay can sometimes, but it depends on the angles that you get to uh, and where the cameras are, are positioned. So I think that's what brings us back. It's it's addicting. And, you know, that's that's why I love what I do. Bowler is with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, uh, Bowler, no no doubt that uh, Boyan Bogdanovich has been a tradi- uh, terrific addition for the Jazz. But he continues to do things I didn't know he could do. And now we're seeing this little post-game where he's backing guys down, particularly in the fourth quarter. It's it's way effective. Yeah, I love the move last night. Uh, I'm with you. I'm looking at my scores card. It was uh, bogey. I, I, I made a note, bogey backs in. Uh, and it, it gave the Jazz a six-point lead and kind of reestablished, I thought, some confidence uh, with the Jazz. It was 79-73 uh, after that bucket. And I'm with you, Jake. I, look, when we knew that Buck Dadovich was going to sign with the Jazz and did, you know, I thought, okay, three-point guy. Uh, but, you know, athletically, uh, the way that he plays in D, the toughness he brings, I really had no idea. Look, I've seen him play. And, you know, last year with the Pacers, but he wasn't used in the same manner. And now he does have the, the blow block game. He can use his body. He seems to really trust the strength that he has. You know, he's had some problems finishing at the rim, especially on this, this road trip we just completed. But, again, the one thing that guy does never hangs his head and he continues to, you know, to take the shots. And he's got the green light from Quinn Snyder. But you're right. Not only does he shoot the three, but he's a more powerful athlete than I thought he was uh, when he first came over. And you know what? That only bodes well for what the Jazz want to do. Right, and we've been talking about this the whole show. I wrote a column about it, Bowler, and that is that the Jazz run their offense and the ball gets moved a lot and all that. But at certain points, uh, namely at the end of games sometimes, then we see Donovan Mitchell, a playmaker, and now we see Boyan Bogdanovich, a playmaker, playing a little iso ball. Mm-hmm. Or at least initiating into that, and then if they if they see a, a nice matchup, then they might drop a ball off to someone else. But this is handy, especially when it comes down to playoff basketball. You know what? I think a lot of what Donovan and Bogdanovich and even Joe have, have learned and shown more of us, I think, this year. And stay with me on this on this explanation. But <clears throat> once you get into the paint. The way that Joe Donovan and Bogdanovich especially, and even Moutier is very good at this, positioning the body for the defender to drape over their back. And what they use is they use him almost as a screener for the other defender, 
and then they kind of release off that or, Gordo, as you just said, pass the ball out because then you draw a double and then you've got an open man and most times it's Gobert. And, uh, you know, he takes advantage of that. But it's really an interesting way to play the game. They, they feel the defensive pressure. They use it to their advantage and either explode the basket or, pull, you know, or, or step back and get space and, and try to hit the mid-range game. Speaking of mid-range, I mean, Donovan Mitchell's mid-range game this year is phenomenal. And Moutier's got one as well. And I know, I know analytics, uh, and I talked to, to Locke a lot today. And again, you know, I've, I'm trying to convert him a little bit on Moutier in the sense of that the, the, the mid-range game has its purpose and its, and its effectiveness. I know three's more than two, and I know the play at the rim is a high, you know, high percentage shot on most cases. But, you know, Donovan is killing teams right now with his ability to stop and pop the floater. Uh, and I know we like to see him get at the rim and get more you know, free throw attempts to increase his point, point average. But Donovan, man, right now is, I think, playing some great ball. He's making great choices, and that was the thing in the offseason was for Donovan to be more efficient and to uh, maybe not hit the floors often to protect his body. And I think he's just a much smarter player. And Moutier has that same that same kind of style of play when needed. And Joe does it as well. So, And Bogdanovich, I think, has picked up some of it as well. But it's an interesting play to watch. If you next, Tomorrow night, watch how the guys use that body and how the defenders try to drape them and then how they use that to their advantage to draw defenders and find the open man. Bowler, thank you as always, not only for the Jazz breakdown, but the first-person breakdown on the NFL playoffs. You're the man. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Chiefs, man. Chiefs alive. Brady out. Saints out. It's wide open, gentlemen. It's wide open. The Chiefs, by the way, as you know, 1970, last Super Bowl appearance. Is it this? Is it? Could it be 50 years later? Yeah, it could. It could. It could. It, could it, it, it seems wide open. It sure is, guys. Hey, by the way, happy 2020. Well, thanks. Well, back at you, Bowler. Happy New Year. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Okay. All right. Bowler. See you, Bowler. Craig Bowler, Jack, television voice of... The Utah Jazz. It's a weird feeling when you cover games for a living to, uh, to, to go into a game and just sit in a seat. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it different. is. It's, it's, it's strange. It, it just hardly ever do it. And in Bowler's case, I mean, he's called games in that, in that building. And uh, to go back there and just sit down and pick up a hot dog, and <laughs> it's, it's like, wow. I thought uh, when we asked him what he did in New Orleans, I f- thought for sure he was going to say a mechanical bull ride at the Bourbon Cowboy, but oh, were you not. sure of that? Yeah, were you? They, doesn't that just seem like Bowler? Uh, See Bowler doing the mechanical bull? No. After seven knee surgeries, I'm not sure that's. What yeah, he's maybe. Be doing, Although, does, does it put a lot of strain on your knees to ride the mechanical bull? It puts a lot of strain on them when you get flung off them. Well, that could be true. Want to remind you to purchase a Ford Fan Zone All You Can Eat ticket to an upcoming Jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice ice cream starting as low as thirty seven dollars per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call three two five two nine 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 to buy your Ford Fan Zone All You Can Eat tickets now. We'll have more straight ahead. Stay tuned. Ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. <laughs> Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Purple Rain, Purple Rain. 
1280 The Zone. I've never really listened to the lyrics of this song. Is this all about apologizing? I have no idea. I've never really listened to... It uh, is? No? It apparently is. Right. Who requested uh, this one? Dave? Dave. Going out to Dave. Thanks for listening, Dave. We appreciate it. So Dave is a fan of apologies and of saying he's sorry, uh, unlike my friend Jake Scott over here. True. Exactly. I was sorry for... We've spent the whole show trying to get you to say the the little words, the three words, uh, or a contraction to, uh, I'm sorry. And you know what bothers me even more, Gordon? It was, he was trying to, he needs to apologize to you, but it was about Shaquille O'Neal, and he was also apologizing to Shaq, but he won't apologize to Shaq that he th- believes Shaq shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I never said And I that didn't. Shaq is a hack. I never said I didn't. And that he was untalented. I never said I didn't think Shaq should be in the Hall you of Fame. You said all those things. I said he wasn't good at basketball, and I stand by that. Okay. He was very good at what he did. Which one? Which one is more egregious? Him standing by his belief that Shaq was not good at basketball, or his refusal to apologize to you? Shaq's basketball skills Both. were low, and I apologize. He's the best center of all time. I apologized for the way that I expressed myself. That but, should be enough. But, but here's can the we thing. move on? How can you? No. How can you downgrade Shaq that way? When that was the position he played, he was a center, and he dominated games from the center position. He did. He wasn't a point guard. He wasn't a wing, and you're holding that against him. He ran over people and dunked. Yeah, that's what he did. Well, no one could stop him. No, it's true. I agree. And he should be in the Hall of Fame, yes, but his skill level from a basketball standpoint was not terrific. <laughs> okay. All right. If you, you can't reason with the unreasonable. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what he's going to say to that. And he knows he's wrong. I, I, nothing, of, nothing of the sort. And uh, just because I don't want to go down this rabbit hole again so, does not so, m- mean that so I So those am- that are not good at basketball, like Shaq in your words, <laughs> should be in the Hall of Fame? Well, yeah, he was dominant. Oh, that's but he was not good at the game he played. He, he was not skilled. <laughs> but no. he was dominant. Did you watch him shoot a free throw? He was not skilled. No. Okay, that was one part of his game that wasn't good. So you were saying he was Tim Hardaway driven on the ball? No, but I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying that people couldn't stop him. He was the single most important aspect to what the Lakers were doing when they were winning championships. That doesn't mean he was a skilled basketball player. All right, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me apologize. I'll be the bigger man and apologize. Oh, thank you. Good. You should (laughs) have. Like Shaq, I'll be the big man here and apologize. But Jake refuses to say I'm sorry for insulting Shaq and and me for agreeing with what Shaq I apologized with the way I expressed my for the way I expressed my opinion. I'm still right. I'm still correct about Donovan Mitchell in his overall game. I'm still so right. When you when you mess up at home and you make a mistake and you go into Naz and you say, I'm sorry, I, I apologize, but I'm still right. I've done that before where you say, I, I apologize for the way I expressed myself. You've been there. And I'm still right. I'm sorry that you don't like that I'm right. <laughs> Yes, haven't you been in... Exactly. Austin, well said. Haven't you ever been in the right before where you overreacted and you regret how you express how right you are? Here's a little tip for you. 
when you're even if you are right, if you're saying, if you're apologizing, then you don't reiterate the fact that you were right to begin with. You just say, I'm sorry. And you won't even say, I'm sorry. You say, I apologize for this. I'm a bunch of mumbo jumbo. But you don't really say that you're sorry. All right, Gordon, you're right. Donovan Mitchell isn't playing like a superstar. You're correct. (laughs) He needs to shoot the ball 26 times a game. Yeah, you're right. His playmaking for others doesn't matter at all. You're correct. That's not what I said. I'm I'm sorry for being 100% correct about this, this, but I'm not. This is a little glimpse of the way it happens at home with Jake, too. I don't want to make it personal or anything, but you're not. But let's do it. you're, You're not helping your cause. You just say, I'm sorry. God, we're and having fun, and Gordon comes in with a death dedication. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> condemning my marriage. Easy snuggles. Yeah, jeez. How do you know how I argue at home? Are you spying on me? No. No, I'm just hearing you now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm still right about it. <laughs> See, you keep harping on that. Uh, who in the NFL, Gordon, has made the best coaching hire as of yet? That was all big news today. I, I don't mind what Dallas has done. See, I kind of like Matt Rule going to Carolina. Well, okay. And by the way, seven-year, $60 million contract that could be worth 70 if he wins, oh, which is just nice. amazing. But they're paying college coaches so well these days that it's going to take that kind of scratch to get these guys out of the college ranks. And I, like I just to- don't know. Uh, how's that going to go? What do you mean, how's that going to go? I mean, I, I think McCarthy is, uh, is a solid choice. He's solid, it, it, solid to the point of being a bit boring. But is that what is that what is the Cowboys boring? need? I don't think it's. A it good depends w- on his relationship with Jerry. I, you know, that's really what it comes down to. How much freedom, how much autonomy will he have to do what he wants to do, or is he going to have the owner of the team coming in calling plays for him? See, I don't like the fit because he's going to bring in the the West Coast offense, and I don't necessarily think that's what the answer to Dallas's problems really is. So I don't know if I really like the fit there. What do you think the answer is then? I don't know. A coach like that is going to run the ball with Zeke Elliott because that's their best thing they've got going. Yeah, they've got a really good offensive I, I, line. I, I, I Bill Walsh, he didn't know anything about what he was doing, right? I mean, he had no business trying to do that sort of thing. Yeah, but would Bill Walsh's system have been a great fit for the '85 Bears? Probably not. Well, I mean, I mean it, it that's depends an extreme on, example. It depends on who you have on your team, and the West Coast offense doesn't necessarily highlight the running the football. And well, that's where, maybe he'll rearrange the personnel. Is is Dak going to have the skill level required to to run that offense? I don't know. Uh, I don't know either. I don't know if it's a great fit. Out. But I do like what uh, Rule did, and I do think the the Cowboys did a lot jo- better job than the Giants did finding their new head coach, as they hire the wide receivers coach from the Patriots, Joe Judge. What do you know about Joe Judge? I know they could have hired his boss. <laughs> and I know that Matt Rule would have rather gone to Charlotte than uh, than the Big Apple. You don't want to give uh, you don't want to give a guy a chance to see what he can prove uh, as a fresh face, sort of. Uh, okay, sure. See how it goes. When you're hiring a new coach, it's it's you know <laughs> okay. There's a lot of things at play here, but it's ultimately it's part crapshoot. I mean, because you can hire a terrific coach and have it not be a good fit. Well, certainly hiring a college coach, we've seen that happen over and over again. We'll see what Rule does in Carolina. But what Rule did at Baylor is nothing short of remarkable. 
True. I mean, to rebuild that program in that amount of time after the catastrophe that uh, Art Briles left, I mean, that's amazing. But do you think that uh, the, I mean, when you're dealing with professional players, it's a different thing than dealing with college athletes? Well, see, this is the reason why I don't think Urban Meyer would be a good NFL coach. But I don't know enough about Rule and how he runs his stuff to know if it would be effective. I know that Urban— Do you, th- do you, do you think that the buy-in isn't uh, as high? Well, I know— And that, that pro players will rebel against uh, that kind of approach? I know that Urban Meyer used a lot of fear. He, used, he did. He used a lot of fear and a lot of things that you can do with college students that you can't do with professionals. Which, which is interesting, considering the fact that he did coach under Sonny Lubick, and Sonny had a whole different approach. Of course— Urban had all kinds of influences uh, in his coaching approach, but uh, he—I think he does know how to to bomb feelings when he—if a player is valuable enough. Yeah, but the, I mean, there's a reason Nick Saban didn't work in the NFL, and because his iron fist approach, those players just don't—they yeah. don't respond to it. So you have to find different ways to communicate. I, I think ultimately that why Jerry Sloan was so effective for so long at identifying with players that were, you know, two, three generations his younger was because he he went with all professionalism all the time. Mm-hmm. It's your job to show up, give 100 percent, right. put on the uniform. That's what you get paid the big bucks for. We're going to hold you to that standard because this we're professionals. And he was fortunate enough to have two superstar players who bought in. Who fell in line to yep. that mentality, 100%. Because then there's peer pressure from the stars. But if you don't, what if he had had Derek Coleman instead of Carl Malone? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, honestly, you can think Phil Jackson is overrated or underrated or whatever. But one thing he was brilliant at was getting all these wacky personalities on the same page at the same time through any means necessary. It's, it's, incredibly difficult. Look at what Brad Stevens, who Chris Mannix called one of the, if not the best coaches in the NBA right now, look at what a disaster Brad Stevens was last year when faced with a toxic locker room with Kyrie Mm -hmm. Irving. Mm -hmm. He all of a sudden didn't look so smart. Yeah. I mean, true. It's it's true. And I think, by the way, if if we want to localize this a little bit, I think the the Jazz coaching staff and Donovan Mitchell is the leader of the team. I think they've dealt with some stuff this year that uh, that they're not used to dealing and figuring out how best to navigate some of these waters. And it sure looks good now. It, it looks like whatever they're mm-hmm. doing and however they've decided to handle it is is being quite effective. How, how much more complicated do you think it is coaching an NFL team versus a college team because as a college coach you have all kinds of concerns that you don't have as a professional co- as a coach in the NFL but I agree that you have to approach players maybe in a little different way however you have guys like Bill Parcells who wasn't exactly didn't shy away from being tough well, the thing is you have to balance it, right? Because 90% of the team you can cut the next day and it's not really going to have an overall impact, right? So you have to somehow connect with your star players. Yeah, That's what you got to do. But do you think football is football? Um, yeah, but when you get to that level, it's not necessarily about which – well, let me put it this way. In college, there are certain built-in recruiting advantages where, like, Alabama will have the talent right. advantage in nearly, if not every single game they play. So at that point, it's about getting them to be in the right spots and you should win football games. In the NFL, all the all the teams, even the best teams and the worst teams, they're all fairly even when it comes to talent. So all of a sudden, things like game plan and motivation and that sort yeah. of thing mean a lot more. Yeah, they do. 
So it it makes it more complicated. Like, was Nick Saban a disaster in the NFL because of his mindset? Maybe. Was it because he didn't automatically have the best team every single week? Probably. Yeah, but when he was at Alabama, you he had to establish a winning tradition there beyond what had happened in the past in order to continue to draw those top athletes to the program. Maybe, but the fact remains that he had the best players on the field every did he single from, week. Did he from jump? Probably pretty close. I mean, I think Alabama, when it was struggling, was one of those programs that shouldn't struggle. Huh. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I haven't made a study of that. But I do think that uh, the key to – if I were an NFL coach, I would look at the roster – and I would uh, single out the players that I had to make a connection with. And then I would build from there. And that's what a guy like Urban Meyer would have to do. He did that in the college game. He did. When he came to the Utes. He did. That's what he did. He picked out guys like Morgan Scalley and others that he knew were leaders on the team. And he made a connection with them. And then the rest of the team fell in line. So it wasn't all just stepping in and saying, hey, here's a new sheriff here. And uh, half you guys are going to be gone tomorrow. You know, I mean, there was more to it than that, uh, a little more nuanced than that, but still tough. Well, the only job left open now is the Cleveland Browns. They're going to interview Josh McDaniel, but we'll see what direction they go. Would you want that job? Nope. I'm telling you. No. I, I remember talking to Lavelle Edwards at length about this, about the offer he got from Detroit to go co- coach the Lions. And he said... He said, uh, in, in, in hindsight, he said, if I'd taken that job, I would have been fired within three or four years. And then what, what, would, I, what would I, where would I have gone from there? Hmm. So he's glad he stayed in Provo doing what he did uh, with the Cougars. But would have gotten a nice paycheck for the time being. But Lavelle was fairly... Lavelle was a smart football guy. I know that everybody thought that he was just sitting back and let everybody else do the work and all that, but he was he was uh, he was sharper than that. And uh, so I, but knowing there's been a lot of smart coaches who have ended up fired after a couple of years. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more big shows straight ahead. Ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, thanks for making us a part of your day. Make sure to check out Gordon's columns up at sltrib.com. Both of Gordon's columns. I love it how you're writing about the University of Virginia now. That's just terrific. Well, I was writing about Bronco Mendenhall, and that was on Saturday. I mean, why do we need some sort of cavalier propaganda piece here in Salt Lake? (laughs) That's not exactly what it was. I, it was centered on Bronco Minnesota. I forgot to bring it up with you yesterday, and I should have, because I, usually I, I quite enjoy your columns, and I, I, that one was just dreadful. You sound like a bitter Vautech fan, is what you're and, saying. And like. you had to bring that up, too, that uh, that they beat Virginia Tech for the first time in 15 years. Well, that was part of what Bronco Minnesota had achieved there. Sorry. I so? Mean, the truth hurts. So? So it's an indication that he's being successful there. Um, what do you mean, so? How is that a story? He's been gone for like a decade now. People still care about Bronco Mendenhall here. Do you uh, do you think Cougar fans regret how that ended? 
with Bronco or that it ended? Uh, well, there there had been sort of a trend, a tailing off trend. You know, his his most successful seasons came earlier rather than later. So maybe, but he's a heck of a football coach. Maybe maybe we took it a little bit for granted. Uh, what a good coach he was. It's just that, like I wrote that uh, in his stay at BYU, there were awkward moments down there. Yeah, but he was effective. Like I said, it started to tail off over the decade. You think that was Broncos' fault? Do you think he would well, have done? The head coach is it's everything falls at his feet in the college game. Point. Well, I guess what I'm asking is, does the program bottom out like it did a couple of years ago with Broncos still there? Does would Bronco have done a better job these past few years than Kalani has done? Well, there's no way of knowing that. I I don't know how to answer. Thus, that. it's a hypothetical. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's no way to answer that effectively. I I I do not know. I do know that Bronco likes to play up to the 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 gritty plucky players and have them go out and. And uh, work their tails off to to be good. And uh, remember, the Bronco, his team, his first year at Virginia was two and ten. So I mean, no matter who the coach is, he has to have pieces in place. And Bronco this year for that team, he had he had a stellar quarterback, he had a stellar receiver, and he had a, a, a strong running back. So I mean, he he did have key players and enabled uh, a lot of that success. Uh- I don't know the answer to my own question whether or not Bronco would would be better, but I think a lot of the stuff that that Bronco did, uh, you know, the discipline, the the overachieving, the pluckiness, the stuff that you're talking about, uh, you know, the motivation and all those sorts of things. I I think that's what you need to do at BYU to overcome a talent gap at times where you have to have a more, you know, as he executed a higher level, as he used to say, you have to have the more disciplined team, the team that wants it more, the team that's in better shape. You know, he was really good at that sort of thing. And you've seen that at Virginia where he's, he's really running a tight ship, much like he did at at BYU. Mm -hmm. But I think when Kalani got the job at BYU, that first year went pretty well because he had those players who still had that Bronco Discipline and guys like Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, who who set a bar and strong senior leadership, and I think I think Kalani figured out that that's you have to have some of that to succeed at BYU. I think, and he's told us that things got a little lax, got a little loose, and I think he figured out that if he's going to overcome some of the um, disadvantages at BYU, he has to have teams that have that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you would think that discipline and hard work would be a couple of strengths of the kinds of players who would want to go to BYU um, to begin with. So you're operating from a position of strength in that regard. However, where you you don't have necessarily a strength is the level of talent that is automatically in the program. Well, your uh, your column was still trending on the Tribune website today. So there's apparently some people out there that still like reading about Bronco. Apparently so. I mean, even though he's, you bring up a good question though, did we take him for granted? Did we were we too tough on him because we we didn't criticize him so much for his decisions as a coach, although there were a couple of boneheaded moves as is bound to happen, I guess. But it was it was more about the idiosyncrasies. It was more about the way he handled certain situations, especially as it pertains to the religious overtones and and uh, you know remember the 
honor spirit tradition idea I remember. to put that on yeah, the Yeah, there pack. were some clunkers in there. Yeah, uh-huh. and the quest for perfection, that sort of thing. But I, I do think, and I'll, I'll say we, because I'll put myself in this category too, I do think we took him for granted a little bit. I think he's a really good coach. And you said as much in your column. Yeah, which was the point. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Sean Devaney, NBA writer. What are the chances of the Utah Jazz getting one all-star bid? And what are the possibilities of them maybe even getting two? I think they've got a pretty good argument to get two. You know, obviously the West is much more crowded than what you're going to see in the East. But certainly Donovan Mitchell, I think you've got to find a spot for him. As many good backcourt players as there are in the NBA in the Western Conference, I think that his numbers and the Jazz overall performance, you know, they justify him being on there. Whether they get a second one, that can depend more on how the coaches see things, but I think that the better the Jazz play, and the more they slide up in the standings, the more likelihood that you're going to have probably Gobert be the guy who uh, gets that second nod, uh, and I think he's got a pretty good case for it. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Wrapping up a big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, we really appreciate you making us part of your Tuesday. What are you giggling about over there? Okay, why why is it always funny when somebody gets hit in the groin? Why is why why is it always funny? I'm watching this this poor guy who's playing cricket uh, over at I think it's England or he's playing cricket somewhere. You're watching cricket highlights. Uh, he's he he gets he's up to bat twice, two times in a row, and he gets hit in the groin. Both times. <laughs> Both times. Oh. Anyway, why is that always funny? Because nobody wants to be there. I mean, I mean, it's just horrible. But see, <laughs> it's not hurt. funny to me. I I just cringe. I don't laugh out loud. I mean, you you were laughing over there like you heard the best joke in the history of mankind. Well, I mean, you should just hear the guy's reaction. I don't I don't know if I could we could do this a better way, but slip and play. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you hear that? Did that? And then this is this is the second. Time. Oh no! <laughs> he just says, "Oh no!" I don't even know where he got the uh, the energy to to get that out. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but why is that always funny? It's not. It 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 is though. I'll I'll show you the videos. You'll laugh. I almost guarantee. <laughs> I will lie now. Okay. Uh, we've had we've had a lot of fun on the show today. Though. Yeah, we We're have covered a lot of material. Obviously, the Utah Jazz are a big big deal right now, and uh, everyone's sort of curious to see whether the ascent continues. I think it will for a while at least till that schedule toughens up. But every game is a challenge in, in the NBA, it seems like. And we started out the show with you being condescending towards uh, stay-at-home dads, which no, was an interesting way to, I was to just start making, the show. I was making fun of you because I can't see you being overly ambitious as a stay-at-home dad. Oh, I would be terrific. You, You're I mean, crazy. You would I would not, be awesome. Would, I, I would how be. so? Well, I would know everything that's going on with one life to live, first of all. <laughs> of course. That's the number one thing that all stay-at-home folks concern themselves I with. I like soap operas. 
I mean, there are other things that you would need uh, to attend to. Namely, what? Let uh, me see if you even know. I'm cooking dinner tonight. Okay. What else? Uh, let's see here. I can, I can uh, vacuum. I can fold. Okay. I can uh, run errands. I can uh, raise the uh, the young ones. All right. I can't believe you doubt me. All right. Uh, we want to say a big thanks to Bowler for jumping on the show today. Also, Chris Mannix for your daily assist. Those are up online in podcast form at 1280thezone.com or simply search The Big Show wherever you get your podcast. You can find all of our content. Thanks to Austin Horton, ex- executive producer of The Big Show. Fine work, Austin. Thank you, Gordon. And thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. We do appreciate it. Now say you're sorry. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.